All right, we are back, y'all. Um, we just had to start recording over because I started talking and was coughing so much that I couldn't recover. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Last week, I said we're going to talk about confession of sin and spiritual discipline. Here's why we're going to talk about that today. Confession of sin, spiritual discipline. Recently, as you might know, may or may not know, a high-profile, really known pastor, Matt Chandler, out of Dallas, was put on a leave of absence. Um, this obviously came as a shock to many. In particular, because his church actually has, I think, from what I've seen, in my opinion, a reputation for being very serious about sin, uh, taking sin very seriously, spiritual discipline, being transparent, being open, confessing your sin. They have a reputation for taking all that very serious. So for him to come out and get put on a leave of absence for potentially sin um, came as a shock to a lot of people who kind of know him or his church. Now, here's what they announced. They announced that... Matt Chandler has a female friend that he had been talking with, messaging, um, and one of her friends approached him and was concerned about it in some way. <clears throat> so they launched an investigation into it, looked at all of his messages, and what they announced was that he didn't have an affair, it wasn't romantic, it wasn't sexual or anything like that, but his communication with his female friend was too frequent, it was too familiar, it was unwise, it was unguarded. And it, I think, included, I can't remember what, like inappropriate joking. Some sort of coarse joking, I don't know. That's right, like coarse joking or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because of that, he's being put on a leave of absence. Now, I'll give some context for how this launches us into talking about confession of sin and spiritual discipline. What I kind of want to discuss is, what is confession of sin? Um What is inappropriate versus appropriate confession of sin? And also, what is spiritual discipline? And maybe inappropriate spiritual discipline, and where do we kind of, and we'll kind of analyze what we know from the village church to talk about that. But what they announced was that that that's what they found that his his communication with this female friend was inappropriate, and so he's being put on a leave of absence. Now, where this is confusing to say the least is that on the one hand, it seems like he's being it's being said that he has not lived up to the standards of an elder set out in scripture, and therefore in one sense seems like it's being said that he was disqualified. Church. Yeah, like a church discipline case. That he's undergoing church discipline, that this is sin, right? This is a big deal. I mean, they announced right. this to their whole church. They put it on the internet. Huge deal. And yet at the same time, he wasn't said to be disqualified, it was hardly even clear to me what the sin was was that was being confessed. Right. Right? Yep. It was more like, are we confessing the potential for sin here, or are we actually confessing sin? I'm not totally sure. Um, he wasn't fired. Uh, he was just put on a paid leave of absence. Um, on his way out, he fist bumped his fellow pastor. Nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't exactly communicate that you just confessed grievous sin and that sort of thing. Um, I think he apologized to his church kind of for like putting them all in this kind of like weird situation, Yeah. but he didn't apologize <clears throat> from what I know. He didn't apologize to his female friend or her husband or anything. His wife. Oh, and also let it be said that his wife knew about his communication with this female friend. Her husband knew like it was all like nothing was being hidden. Right. So it's very confusing situation because on the one hand you think it seems like, wow, this is really grievous, disqualifying sin, and is he fired? And on the other hand, you go, I'm not even sure if sin was confessed here. Um, 
and and this certainly doesn't seem like spiritual discipline because he's not resistant to anything. He's in total agreement with everything. He's he's not resisted at any turn. He's been in agreement with his elders, investigating it, whatever. Yeah. So very confusing, which which brings up, I think, to me again this topic of confession of sin and spiritual discipline. So when you first learned about this and you maybe watched some of the videos, what was your initial impression on what you are witnessing? Are you watching confession of sin and spiritual discipline uh, that's coming from a potentially healthy place? Or do you feel like you're watching maybe a twisted, different, weird thing? Yeah. So my thoughts when I was watching it, um, I, I think it was you that sent me the the link, um, yeah. and I watched uh, his confession uh, or whatever that was. I just kept over and over. I kept saying, "What did you do? What did you do? Mm-hmm. What did you do?" And then, uh, "Did you do whatever you did or not?" Yeah, that's what I kept going over and over and over again. And then, you know, initially because we've we have uh, sadly. Uh, you know, sin is real, sin is powerful, uh, sin sabotages uh, us, and there's been many high-profile people, pastors that have been sabotaged by their sin and um, wrecked uh, marriages, uh, families, uh, ministries. And so I, you know, um, skeptically, I'm like, ah, we're just going to have to wait for the other shoe to drop, you know. Um, that's one thought. There's more here because I don't really know what's being said. But the the dominating thought was you either did something or not, more must be coming, uh, or, and this is my third thought, or this is an incredible overreaction. Right. Um, to what? Um, to the notion of being serious about what sin being serious about leadership standards being serious what is it i didn't know um but then i i I i actually had four thoughts then i thought but surely the leadership would know that and that's why i kept going back because of the whole presentation how massively public this was how uh and tense and serious this thing was but then the actual content didn't lend itself to it um, and I knew that the the leadership knows that this is the case so then I kept thinking more's coming it has to be because it's an incredible if not if more isn't coming this is the most overblown overreacted hyper whatever vigilant hyper sensitive hyper reaction um, that actually was pretty, probably pretty harmful yeah. to the church and pretty harmful to his family and pretty right. harmful to, uh, this woman and her family. Um, yeah, uh, that, those were all the thoughts that were running through my mind. What do you think, regardless, we don't, we don't really know the village church at all. Um, so regardless of what's going on at the village church, what kind of church culture thinking theology can produce an overreaction like that if that's what that is does that make sense yeah what can produce that kind of like in the name of being serious about sin you're massively overreacting or in the name of being serious about spiritual discipline you're massively overreacting this is where it's so so important and we were just talking about this in another podcast we just did about teaching that when the law and the gospel 
uh, are not clearly um, communicated and clearly not just communicated, but like in your bones, like as Luther would say, man, you want to give someone a real doctorate of theology. It's someone that is growing and understanding the law and the gospel, good news versus a good advice kind of thing. Uh, and for this very reason, what ends up happening, and it always is going to happen, is that the law is uh, the DNA of being a human being, that we are, we are obsessed with being our own savior. We are obsessed with justifying ourselves before God, before others, before ourselves, before the real law, and before all the little laws that we make in life. Uh, and that is the Adamic nature. That is the sinful nature. Um, and so our natural propensity, uh, if left to ourselves, apart from the gospel, is that we're always going to be constructing some sort of self-justifying strategy or marker or form of righteousness. Take your pick. And you can do that, as we know, the Bible's replete with examples that the most religious and holy and serious about sin folks were doing that. Uh, you know, the, the, the religious leaders of the day were saying, yeah, yeah, you tithe your 10%. Well, I tithe 50 and I tithe even my herbs and spices. And it's like, what? Because they were extra serious about, you know, about tithing. So you, you can take that into a whole kind of culture. Authenticity, uh, anything can become a law. It can become a form of... Um, of righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know, we look in our mm -hmm. culture today and we pretty much can say, oh, what's the form of righteousness out there today? Mm -hmm. Well, if you can't quickly identify the form of righteousness that everybody is virtue signaling about, which would be strange if you can't right now, you can certainly find what everybody's condemning. Mm -hmm. So if you find what people are condemning, the flip side of condemnation is justification. You find the righteousness. And so if you're really, really serious about a certain kind of sin in a church, you know, you're, you condemn that sin, it's generally going to be also a form of your righteousness. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wonder when you're, when you create a, a culture that says we are going to be about uh, some form or expression of the law, eventually that thing just starts, it's like a black hole, it starts pulling everything into its hole, into its depths, into its labyrinth, and uh, you can never do enough, never be enough. It just is never satisfied. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wonder if that's what happened here. Uh, as long, I mean, I don't know how many weeks out now that we've heard this. I keep asking, all right, so is the other shoe dropped? No. Okay. So then it's really showing itself to be an overreaction. Right. So then we need to go back to, I said, what is confession of sin and what is church discipline, right. which would have been very... Uh, instructive and helpful and healthy for the the leadership culture and for the church if it would have been practiced. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I before we started recording, I said, you know, I don't think there's another shoe that's going to drop. I think that they were being honest about like this is this is all that really happened. Like I was messaging a friend, and uh, I, I think it is an overreaction. And again, the point of this podcast is not to dissect like their public relations or. 
uh, or speculate about, or uh, is there more? This isn't, frankly, it's none of our business. It's not really about the village church or about Chandler at all. It's about this whole topic of confession of sin and spiritual discipline. I have been in church cultures that quote unquote, take sin really seriously and take spiritual discipline really seriously. And so I kind of know what that church culture can feel like that this kind of reminds me of it, or this reminds me of something that could be produced by that church culture. And, and what it is, is that in the name of taking sin seriously and taking confession of sin seriously, you get to the point where you're confessing not so much sin, but like potential sin, you know? Because again, in all that I heard, I go, well, what, again, like what you said, what did you actually do wrong? What, what, it, what was the sin? You know, what, what are you actually confessing you did wrong? Because it sounded like what was said was, I don't even necessarily know what I did wrong. I mean, they're saying that I didn't meet the bar of familiarity, which there definitely is a line there for sure, sure that, that can be identified being crossed. But he said, again, his wife knew. His wife knew. His all wife the saw the knew, text. It's, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so what do we mean by familiarity here? Like, mm. um, and that's where you almost get into, I've been in church cultures that it's like, it's not enough to just do God's law. To, to tithe what you're supposed to. Yeah. You also need to tithe extra more to make sure you hit God's law. And then suddenly you've got man-made laws that are treated as divine laws. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I think that we don't realize how deadly self-righteousness is. Like, we know we should be concerned about a church or a church culture that doesn't take sin seriously and that seems to that seems to treat sin like good stuff. We know that. Yeah. That's easy. Right. But we think we think that you can't possibly, how do I say this? Um, that if someone comes across as taking sin seriously, there's no way that there's something wrong there. That it couldn't be possibly incredibly ungodly. Meaning, you know, who, why did God's people, the Jewish people, particularly the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, why were they month after month, year after year, trying to get Jesus killed? Well, one of the reasons, a part of it was again and again, they thought he wasn't holy enough. Yeah. So our self-righteousness is so dark huh. that we will look God square in the face and go, you are not holy enough for my standards. You are not righteous enough. You hung out with that woman. Yeah. You shouldn't have done that, God. You didn't meet my standards. Therefore, I'm going to get you killed, you know? Yeah. That was that was one of the biggest contentions that the religious leaders had with Jesus. He was not holy enough. So think about that. You would have never said you guys don't take sin seriously. Right. They take it so seriously and sometimes we need to recognize when whoa 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 in the name of being serious about sin there seems to be a b- big problem here. Yeah. I've been in those church cultures and again what what it usually can look like is what are you confessing? It becomes yeah. a minority report. It's like, well, I sent this text message that literally there's nothing sinful about it. But if I dissect it to the nth degree, I think it's a sign that I might kill 5 people yeah. in a couple years. Oh, and so I'm just going to get ahead of it. I'm going to confess it like it's kind of sin, but it's kind of not sin, but it's potential sin. And, and uh, you know what? While we're at it, I might as well put myself under church discipline. And you're like, well, are you unrepentant? No, I'm not unrepentant. I confess it. I need help. So 
what do you mean church discipline? Church discipline is like the process of confronting someone for sin and then them not being repentant and <laughs> going through this whole process. Yeah. So to me, it seems like an overreaction because I can't figure out what you're confessing. And then on the spiritual discipline side, he he called his leave of absence discipline. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, well, I don't understand discipline for what? That's so good. So just clarifying terms. So when we're saying uh, historically, biblically, theologically, any ology you want to look at, church discipline is always for uh, not because you're a sinner, but because you're not wanting to turn away from your sin back to Jesus. So discipline in the scriptures and in church history is a is a it's a rescue act. Yeah. It's a it's to bring someone back. It's to help. It's to restore. It's to heal. Um, so if you're on a disciplinary path, it's because you're not willing and wanting to be healed. Mm-hmm. And the church is saying we we want you to be healed. Do you see you need to be healed? And it's also basically raising a flag saying, you don't want to be healed. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you realize you don't want to be healed? You don't want to turn back to Jesus and away from these false saviors that are wrecking you and those you love. That's church discipline. Yeah. Um, and then confession of sin is... Let me, con- let me say this yeah. before you go to confession of sin. To me, what strikes me as odd is... What I heard when I heard leave of absence in its discipline, I heard punishment. I heard, because again, you shouldn't be under church discipline at this point. I mean, you you apparently haven't disqualified yourself. You're not unrepentant. You're in full agreement. So to me, discipline seemed like I've got to take like a whipping uh, for what I did. Yeah. You know, Um, otherwise the church discipline process, if it ever appropriately started, should be over. Yeah. Um, and for a pastor, there's really one of two options. Like you're either qualified to be in your position and so keep at it, yeah. or you're not. And so what ends up happening in these kind of situations, it's almost like you're adding to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You need to add something to Jesus. Like if you really, really want to take sin seriously, I mean, it's the cross is the place where sin is most serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took God to pay the debt for your sin, and it took his death to pay the debt, and it took his death to pull you out of the realm of the dead. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly serious. So when we don't put our hope and our trust and our leadership and our repentance on that, but we put it on some notion of me being extra sorry or me feeling, or me just confessing, even confession, Confession is not an atonement, mm-hmm. but it becomes a form of self-atonement, right. and it can be, become a form of self-justifying. Uh, that's where I think this gets a little queasy and it gets a little murky. Is like, okay, so church discipline is for someone who's not turning back to Jesus. That's not happening here. So why are you under church discipline? Mm-hmm. That's the first question. The second is... Confession is always over a specific law that's been broken. Mm-hmm. Sin is, it's not uh, imaginary. Uh, it, it's very visible, even though the roots go down into the heart. It's very visible. Uh, and again, it's a form of uh, turning from God to be your own God, to be your own Savior. That's the essence of what sin is, and the law spells it out. Loving God, loving others is how it happens. So, 
where is that? That clearly wasn't happening here either because, okay, what, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, did you, did you do it or not? If you're doing something to the level of one confessing it as sin, right? like what's the sin? Did you do it or not? And is it, is it of the level of sin that requires church discipline or even some form of leadership exposure and a plan of healing that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where, again, all this is so murky. Yeah. The reason I fuzzy. care, the reason I care about this is because I think in a church culture like this, whether present at the village church or not, I don't know, but I do know it's present because I've been in them before. The reason I care is because <clears throat> it's crushing to the sheep. Uh, this kind of church culture, if you will, put Jesus on the cross it is crushing to uh, the sheep because everything becomes this kind of navel-gazing self-obsession about your sin. Yeah. And so you think about and you focus on your sin more than you do Jesus. Um, you are ever looking for, what? why did I do that? Why did I say that? Should I? Is that a sign? What's going on? What's going to happen? How, how good am I? How much is my sanctification progressing? Am I moving forward? Am I moving backward? And oh no, and I've got to confess all this. And you you end up getting confessing things or hearing confessions from people and you're like, dude, relax. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't even know that, that what you just said is sin, yeah. you know? And so it becomes this neurotic, self-obsession, self-focus. Uh, and suddenly you start to confess breaking laws that aren't even in the bible and and before you know it you're like i think i'm more holy than jesus that is crushing okay and it's not the way the bible tells us to live the christian life secondly you are always looking over the over your shoulder for when god's discipline is gonna drop on your life yeah you may not be worried about your pastors though you probably are in this church culture but you are worried like oh is god disciplining me for this or um is this a sin in my heart that he's gonna like punish me for yeah you know like i i like food a lot and i'm realizing it and i just like love ice cream and i i bet i know what's going to happen like i'm going to have a dream and god's going to tell me to not eat ice cream for 10 years and oh no and i'm probably going to not eat ice cream and And then i'm am i willing to give it up i don't feel like i'm willing to give it up. oh dude dude i have been in that I've got a while, it's too embarrassing to share on this podcast, but you start to get into this speculation of like, if God called me to move to Nairobi and forsake everything and, you know, give all my money away, am I willing to do it? I don't know if I'm willing to do it. And that freaks me out. And I'm probably unwilling. And so that probably means I should probably do that to prove that I am willing to, to break that. And then, and all your friends are like, hey, dude, I think you need to see a counselor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's cr- my point is it's crushing yeah. to God's people. It's crushing to a church to take your eyes off of Jesus, take your eyes off of his atonement, to ever put them on yourself and think, I know how I'll atone for this sin. I know how I'll sanctify myself. Confession of sin. Confession of sin is the new gospel. If I confess it, yeah. that will atone for it. If I confess it, it will release power in my life to get over it. And you know what? Cherry on top. Maybe God will blast me for it with some discipline for a season. Dude, we were like, we could, I mean, this we can go for like two hours. There's so many topics here now. Let's My mind is racing. I'm rolling. I mean, let's just even get into this whole issue. Like right here, which you were just taught, we were just talking about sanctification. I mean, even right here, what ends up happening is you, you when when the focus is not on Jesus, 
and your new self in Jesus and what is declared about you in Jesus, what ends up happening now is you start looking at yourself. And when the Christian starts looking at themselves, like that incident, like, do I have the heart that will go to Nairobi? Mm-hmm. I don't. What ends up happening is now you need to remember, and we need to be reminded that a Christian is two natures. So an unbeliever is one nature. It's a fallen nature. It's a sinful nature. There's, Paul says, there's nothing good that lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Nothing good. No one's righteous. No, not one. So we've, we've called that around here at Redeemer, the zombie. You're physically alive, but spiritually dead. There's nothing spiritually alive about you. When you become a Christian, you become a Christian through addition. You've been added. You've been resurrected. You've been given a new nature, but you still have the old nature in you. So instead of being one person with one nature, you're now one person with two natures. Now let's go back to this. If I am not looking at Jesus, but now I'm looking at myself. So I'm looking at this zombie self that's attached to me, this sinful nature that's attached to me. And I'm trying to put that thing to death. I'm trying to play Jesus and I'm trying to make it alive, like give it the will and the act according to God's, trying to make it feel and want to love God and the law and the things that are righteous and good and whole, impossible. And you are now in a self Spurgeon said it this way, and I I read it in his his, uh, biography. He said that he got on this track as a Christian leader, a minister, to where He was trying to heal himself and cleanse himself so much that he almost lost his mind. He said, I literally almost went insane. Mm -hmm. That's what awaits you. Yep, yep. That's That's what awaits you. That's what's on the line, right? Um, We need to do what the Bible says to do. Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith, which is not you. Trust him to develop you. Trust him when it talks about God disciplining his children, listen, you're not going to trace God's hand and know like probably when that's even happening. It's gonna be a hindsight thing to be like, I think God orchestrated a couple things in my life to kind of like sanctify me. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what God does. And it's, and it's, it's a loving thing. You know, it's, I'm trying to help. Um, he's moving us along in sanctification. He's giving grace after grace after grace. Um, I think a better way forward to, to wrap this up, you know, again, if, if someone would respond and go, well, well, what do you think the village church should have done? Right. You, you know, in negative Nancy's, um, <clears throat> listen, I think it could have been easily like a, um, I think it should have been probably from what I can tell, uh, maybe an apology to the female friend. If there was too frequent, too familiar kind of conversation in private, Maybe an apology to the elders in private. Um, it could go so far as to say even a leave of absence. That's fine. Privately. No need for an announcement. No one else. It's no one else's business. Um, so I'm not saying that that there wasn't a problem or that there wasn't sin. I mean, it's, it's all too vague for us to really know. Hmm. But even if there was sin, uh, it could have all and should have all stayed private mm-hmm. uh, to honor people's lives and honor... Um, people's privacy that the Bible honors. If you look at church discipline in Matthew 18, it starts totally private. Um, and even to the level of taking it to the church, sometimes in these church cultures, that's like, well, it's got to be on Sunday morning and posted at YouTube. No, it doesn't. That doesn't necessarily mean it's got to uh, be that kind of wide. So 
I think there was a better way forward of, of kind of, hey, here's black and white. What was wrong? Uh, I want to just confess it for some prayer in this area to hear the gospel said back to me in this area that my sin doesn't defeat me or Jesus. Jesus has won. Um, uh, okay, cool. If there was a church discipline process that started, it's over because there's repentance and there's no resistance here and we're all looking at Jesus together and it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, let's move on. Uh from what I can tell actually happened, that seems like a much more healthy biblical way forward. Yeah. Um, when you know you have sin in your life, first and foremost, bring it to God. Confess it to God. He's the one that's going to hear most all of our confessions. Yeah. And he should. <laughs> and he should. Right. And then there are times for sure of like, hey, mm-hmm. I've got this sin struggle in my life. And you bring it to a friend, not to atone for it, Yeah. but just to, hey, can you pray for me in this area? Um, bring it to them to hear the gospel said back to you. Um, and again, pray for me in this area. And and there could even be, you know, in that process, a lot of times I know this is a whole different topic. There could even be some accountability you want to set up in that area too of like, hey, you know what? My heart wants this. That's what I'm actually confessing. I need to almost put myself in prison in this way to make sure I don't act on this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, it's all a means to an end. It's a means to looking to Jesus, trusting him, walking with him, Um I think that's a healthy way of taking sin seriously. And you know what? In church discipline, you're not the one who starts that. It's brought to you. So you don't really have to worry about that, right? Like uh, you don't discipline yourself. It's brought to you. And again, church discipline is about grace. It's about going to people saying, hey, you have this sin. It goes bad when they say, no, I don't. I don't need Jesus in that area. I don't need grace. That's what church discipline is. It's people coming to you particularly whether it's a friend that that's where it maybe starts or your pastors get involved, but it's literally about people outside of you going, Hey, you need grace here. You need mercy here. Do you agree? Yeah. Yes. I repent. I agree. I need grace. Uh, It's about grace. It's about rescue. So, um, all right. Hope this was helpful about confession of sin, spiritual discipline. A lot could be said. We could go on for a long time about this, but hopefully this was helpful. Until next time.